Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one train of thought minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. Nice pun. I'm Nick Amendez in the news. <laughs> and joining us this week from Indiana Jones Minute, Tom Taylor and Jerry Porter. Welcome to the show. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, how's it going? Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Yeah, today we are going back to minute 41, which starts with Doc saying, I know, I know, I know, and ends with uh, a, a train engineer laughing at the concept of going 90 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, so this is following up on uh, last week, Doc and Marty tried a, a couple of things to to get the DeLorean up to 88. They tried pulling it with a bunch of horses. They tried using liquor as gasoline um, <laughs> and 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 nothing seemed to work. And and so now they're uh, they're trying to figure out how they could get up to 88. Um, I like Doc's I like where Doc's head at, where, where, where his head's at with the uh, steep hill. Sure. Right. Um, I think we even talked that about that. You're right. I think we even talked about that, didn't we, last week? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, we have. With yeah, creepy. right. I think we mentioned that as a possibility, but uh, I guess he's right that the idea of like finding a smooth surface would be the most difficult part. Yeah. Um, you I, know, as I was watching this, and he's going through the solution. And exactly what you said, they're they're going to use alcohol and, and the, the engine sort of blows up and like this piece of carburetor falls on the ground or whatever. And I was imagining myself in that situation and I was like, I can't do this. I, I'd just be resigned <laughs> to live in 1885. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do the thing because it, they, when they pull the horses, it's so much work and they're going like 22 miles an hour or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like you're not even close. Well, no, it'll be fine. You just wait until the winter and the lake freezes and somehow that's going to solve everything. <laughs> like that's the, that's the one that's the one option that I'm like, why does he even he gets so excited about that option? I got it. I got it. We'll wait until the lake freezes. I'm like, <laughs> what? What's and then and see, I was wondering so like they're going down the hill and then you have to add the ice from the lake freezing and I'm like, so is there how are they still getting 88 miles an hour? Is there like a lake that's on a hill? <laughs> right. Or are they, I don't, are, they, are they going down <laughs> a glacier? Yeah. Are they, are they planning on pouring water down the hill and waiting for it to freeze? Like what's the, what's right. the plan here? <laughs> yeah. Like, there aren't a lot the of lake? train tracks that go into a lake or a pond. <laughs> and then, and right. then you're like, so if they put the car on the lake and it's gotta be solid, like, like, you know, frozen solid, you're like, they still, like, are the horses going to pull it? Right. And then then the, the horses get no traction because they're on the ice. It's just easier <laughs> I, I to live imagine, in 1885. <laughs> I imagine the idea would be that you would you would bring the DeLorean to the edge of the the hill with the ice, and then you would get in the DeLorean and then tip it over the hill mm -hmm. and set it on neutral and just fly down the hill until you hit 88 miles an hour. Yeah. 
It'd Maybe. be really scary. <laughs> but that's but that's when he said there wasn't a like there wasn't a smooth surface, so the even the friction of the hill, I guess, would be impeding the acceleration. Right. right. But I guess I guess his thought was that the ice would give it the smooth, like frictionless surface. Yeah. In theory. And yeah. maybe if they did have the time to wait for that, they could build like a platform down the hill or something, like a nice smooth right. surface, and then ice that over, and then <laughs> ice that yeah. over. But now I'm not it's saying like 19- it's going to be easy. <laughs> it's like 1932 now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're going to wait until winter and wait for the ice and not even know for sure if that's going to work, I mean, why not just build like a big ramp, you know? Yeah. Or a rocket ship. Or or in the uh, in the early uh, in the first draft of Back to the Future 2, there's a part where uh, they actually like drop out of the sky and use gravity to get to 88 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Um, Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maybe they would do like a hot air balloon kind of thing or something. Oh, a hot air balloon. That's brilliant. See? Well, did they? And it's even on brand for Doc. Right. (laughs) That's true. true. Yeah. 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 Because, oh, then they could they could reenact one of uh, Scott and I's favorite moments that never happened in the trilogy. The the classic, uh, the free fall. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 The uh, how are we going to get up to 88 miles per hour? Gravity. And then he just. They just drop out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Oh my just God. Fortunate Son by Creedence starts playing in the stereo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's if you're traveling through time and you have this 88 mile an hour, uh, I guess, limit or, you know, to get back and forth. That's always going to be one of the major challenges of wherever you land in time. You're, mm-hmm. you're right. going to be you're going to be limited by whatever uh, means of propulsion or lack of there is right mm-hmm. i'm tired right. <laughs> it's actually impressive that they it i mean the, in in terms of screenwriting like like they they painted themselves into like a real legitimate corner yeah. like and not well, only that but they don't they didn't give the characters the luxury of like oh we'll see if the ice will work or we'll take our time we'll figure something out. like yeah they had to get out of there in just a couple of days yeah. and uh figure something out immediately so that's pretty impressive it's always mm-hmm. it's always nice when your characters are trying to solve the same problem as you are, the writer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, well, how are we going to get out of this mess? And I'm like, I don't know. We're find <laughs> what out are you looking at me for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but what's, uh, what, what I noticed in this scene is, and this specific part, is you really see Doc spitballing. Yeah. You know, he's he's logically working through the problem. And for me, that's fascinating to see how his science brain works. Mm-hmm. And and he and I, I like I said, I would have given up and it just been like, well, I guess I'll go get a belt buckle. <laughs> it's 1885. Shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Over a matter of eighty dollars. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, eighty dollars. I mean, it is pretty cool because, you know, you do. So often we just see the results of Doc's genius. So it, it's pretty cool that in this scene we find we get to actually see like the the grunt work that goes yeah. into it. Yeah, he's art. showing his work. Yeah. Well, and also the confidence that he has to to sort of ask those questions out loud. Yeah. And 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 just 
work through it in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he, I love that he gets excited about each idea that he has. And then a second later, he realizes it's never going to work. Yeah. Like right. he's, he's just kind of he's grasping at straws and, 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 and trying to find something that works. And there's yeah. a scene, there's a part here where he like he, he acts with his hair. Do you see that? Yes. Where he like uh, he's he's like let's think this through, and he's leaning forward, and the wind's kind of blowing his hair through the window and stuff, <laughs> and like his hair like is that a wig? Do we know? Or is that oh, just yeah, his hair? Yeah, I, that's what I figured. But it's like it's very wispy, and it's like kind of like he's he's kind of using that. Like it's it's like one step behind his head mm-hmm. as it moves. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a calculator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like his, a, it's like a tool. It's his head abacus. He's yeah. at his most. Uh, <laughs> he's at his most Beethoven-y at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the mad genius trying to come up with stuff. Mm-hmm. Did Did you guys discuss this? How, how old is he? Uh, he is seventy. In this movie, he's seventy. The yeah, the, this the the character is seventy. Yeah. Okay. In nineteen eighty five. Okay, and how old is is Marty here? Marty is still uh, a high school boy. Yeah, he's sixteen oh, or you're, seventeen. You're kidding? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, everything that's gone, everything that's gone on in this trilogy is really, as far as Marty's concerned, it's been little more than like forty eight hours. That's no, because he was in fifty five for a week, so it's oh, been that's about true. two. Yeah. It's been about two weeks. Okay, yeah, that's true. All, when okay. it's all said and done. Um, but yeah, he's only about seventeen. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. a little crazy. He's yeah, it's a little crazy. I don't know if I'd yeah. buy that he's seventeen. <laughs> well, I mean, if I mean, he's they, like they, a red shirt, like maybe he flunked like ten <laughs> grades. Well, well, he looked he looked seventeen in the first movie, and then they kind of shot themselves in the foot by having the cliffhanger ending to the first movie. So they had no what, what no nothing else they could do in the sequels, but right. follow up exactly from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure. So he was just stuck being seventeen, <laughs> okay. despite the fact that he looks, you know, twenty-eight or however yeah. old he is. Right. That's why. Uh, that's why it was a good idea. There was never a scene in Force Awakens where Ray was like, "It's a good thing that I'm seventeen and we'll be seventeen for the rest of the <laughs> right." Because <laughs> like a seventeen-year-old handing you a lightsaber. Yeah. Next. Now, now that we're meeting up with her like a year or two later, it won't be as right. different. It won't be yeah. as, like, like it won't be that kind of like oh boy, yeah. <laughs> So we on this show, we often talk about uh, Zemeckis's love of long shots and we praise Dean Cundy's uh, cinematography a lot because <sighs> he does these really complex shots. And I think this scene secretly is the most complex shot in the in the entire trilogy. It's it could pretty be. remarkable. Yeah. Because what happens is it started in the last minute. It started on a close up of the liquor bottle being poured into the to the siphon, like to go to feed into the car. It zooms out as it's pulling back. They're starting the car, trying to get it going. The carburetor thing falls out of the back. They walk through the smoke. And talk about like how that didn't work. And then he says that, I know, I know, I know we go, we follow them around over to the window as doc is trying to figure this out. And then just as he's ready, just as he's hasn't thought of a, uh, a solution, the train comes in from the background, which is shot in real time. That's not an effect. Yeah. 
That's an wow. actual train. That's crazy. That makes me really, really anxious every time I watch this minute. <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. all he has to do is like mess up any part of that line. Any the cameraman can mess up like just anything. Like any little piece goes wrong. And they're like, ah, oh, the train was just in the right spot. Oh my god, we gotta stop it, back it up. How do you even do that with a train? I don't even know. That's yeah. like, yeah, everything's hinging on everything, everybody doing everything perfectly. This Which is I the most it, insane shot in the trilogy, I think. And I just, think that <laughs> stuff is so much more impressive than I'm I don't know about you guys, but I'm 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 kind of depressed by Zemeckis's just obsession with all the, you know, animation and 3D and computer stuff, like, you know, all those mm -hmm. like uh Polar Express type stuff like I don't I'm not interested in that like this kind of thing like crafting a shot like that is 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 actually oh, absolutely brilliant. yeah I mean his whole thing with that was that he wanted to he wanted to stay at home with his kids and watch his kids grow up so he wanted nine to five jobs and so that's why he <laughs> took all of those animation jobs because he that's just had reasonable. to go to like yeah, he just had to go to his like local like you know warehouse with yeah. a green screen and yeah. shoot a bunch of actors and right. uh, go home at five o'clock. And every I think day. Uh, and I think the biggest difference between like this shot and if you look at it, so we 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 watched a bunch of interviews with Zemeckis about like Polar Express and Beowulf and Christmas Carol, and uh, his main like what he would always say in all of those interviews was like, oh, you know, with motion capture, you can do any kind of shot you want. You can shoot a an, air, uh, an eagle flying and he picks up the, the ticket and then the ticket drops and turns into a snowball. But it's, I think humans, it registers as a, it registers to us as not being real. Yeah. So yeah. there's really nothing impressive about it. Cause it's like, well, yeah, you just told the computer to make it perfect. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. The audience <laughs> is saying like, oh, I could do that. If I had the right yeah. program and stuff, I could but, probably make that. But happen. this, I mean, it, it, it's like you were saying earlier, this took like such precision and mm -hmm. professionalism on like the, the camera operator, Christopher Lloyd, whoever's job it was to operate the train, like the AD, like, and that I think the friction of work and art scraping up against like the real world and like you know struggle and and stuff could go wrong and it could ruin everything that's yeah. what makes it so exciting to watch yeah mm -hmm. that's true i Absolutely. had see i didn't even think about that as as being one long uh shot like that where the train you said was a real train and that's i mean that is incredible i had no idea yeah, it's super underplayed. It's it's very right. it doesn't draw attention to itself, which is, which makes it all the more impressive in my opinion. It it's yeah. sort of his style because he he draws your attention away from the long shots by constantly changing up what you're looking at and not in like an obnoxious way where you're like following a person through a war zone or something. Yeah, right, like right. it's 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 just okay, we're looking at this, we're framing this. I mean, he's telling the story and we're moving around and you just don't realize that it's one shot because it's changing up so much. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of like uh, the oneer that Steven Spielberg hides in Jaws on the on the um, the uh, ferry Brian right. he's yeah, when yeah. he's talking to the when he's talking to the oh, mayor yeah. about shutting down the beach I love and that. it's literally like a five minute scene that you don't notice is one shot because you're on the ferry so everything's moving around yeah right. but the shot itself isn't mm -hmm. and you know you're Christopher Lloyd is just as always just giving so much to the camera that mm -hmm. the audience is completely absorbed in what he's doing and they're not even thinking about the camera yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Chris funny you say that because this, like, when the train whistle blows in the background, 
it was like one of those Archimedes Eureka moments. Yes. You know, right. Which was what I was thinking of. But And it's not subtly done. You know, they're really just like, oh, a train. Yeah, right. But what's yeah, incredible yeah. is, I mean, Doc Brown and Christopher Lloyd, they're, it completely works. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. For mm-hmm. for me, you know, and and one thing I liked about watching Back to the Future 3 cuz I hadn't seen it in maybe I don't know 25 years or something until last night is just they like Doc and Marty are still the same characters. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're still great. I love Doc Brown even though he's a bit of a like a sort of generic mad scientist guy. I don't see him as such. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the best special effect Zemeckis has ever worked with. Is Christopher Lloyd, and, and it's it's totally <laughs> overdone and over. And he's like, you know, I was like, great Scott, you know, everything like that. But it, I, I don't for a second think it's overdone. Right, <laughs> right. So there, there is uh, as great as this shot is. There is one flub, and it's Michael J. Fox's fault. No, because um, what happens is there's a part where. Marty goes and he stands next to Doc by the window and Doc is staring forward and he's talking and then you can tell that Michael J. Fox is like, oh, I'm not in his eye line and has Uh-oh. to Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. He actually like goes and walks into Doc's eye line so that yeah. Doc can have someone to look at. Yeah, he's like, oh, I messed up. And yeah, yeah which is which is such a uh, it's a it's a, that's a very theater thing to do. Which is right. like very yeah. quietly, like I'm not in the right spot. I'm gonna just make it, just move and make it in character. <laughs> right? That's hysterical. Yeah, but you know what? I can't blame them for leave, letting that go because this, everything else about this shot is incredible. And who wants to do this five times? Yeah, oh, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I wonder how many times they did do it. I'm pretty sure this is a one and done shot. They did I hope this so. one time. And that was it. Well, you and it, think and about it worked the... well enough that they were yeah. like, we're keeping it. And I, I'm sure Michael J. Fox was like, but I didn't, I didn't it looked fine, Michael. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you got to wonder like, what, what the setup for that must have been like, you know? Yeah. Well, where, where do you think the train started? That's what I was oh, trying geez. to see. Like, if there was like, any hint of yeah. it being like a false start or something, like just like it was just past that tree or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cause cause it's it's not yeah, it's not going full speed. It's it's you know, it's supposed to be like slowing down to drop people off, so they don't have to be, you know, coming from that far of a distance. Right. Yeah, it's pull it's pulling into the station as it were. Right. I imagine that there's someone just over there with a walkie talkie, you know, queuing the uh yeah. the the train operator at the right line. Yeah, he just mentioned See, ice. I'm- he did, yeah, I'm thinking it started in Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the, the way I'm watching it, yeah. yeah. The way they set the scene up and I don't know. Yeah, like that plume of smoke uh, coming out of the smokestack. It's like, you know, fully trailing behind right. it. Like it's been moving for a while. It's it's uh, Exactly. Maybe not Santa Fe, but, you know, probably like, you know, a while. Denver? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Denver. Okay. It's impressive. Oregon. Sure. Yeah, that's that shot is just. Ugh, I could talk all day about that shot. It's incredible. <laughs> um. So now we meet. Uh, we meet our train engineer, who is uh, played by an actor named Bill McKinney. 
Yes. Did you did you look this up, uh, Nick? I tried. I uh, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't find him. Couldn't find him. No. Um. So it's uh yeah. So his name is Bill McKinney. And uh, he has been doing stuff since 67. He's been in like every TV show in the 70s that you can possibly think of, especially uh, crime shows and Westerns. Um, He did a lot of that stuff, like, you know, like the Fall Guy, the Mm -hmm. A-Team. Yeah. BJ and the Bear. (laughs) uh, Stuff like that. And uh, and then... um, Later in life, uh, he did things like uh, he did a movie called Ghost Town. He was in Looney Tunes back in action, stuff like that. So this guy is just like a character work guy that just does a lot of like one and done things. In fact, on multiple shows, he has returned to the show, but not as the same character. <laughs> so he, wow. like he was on Baywatch twice, once as a character named Drew and another time as a character named Major Nicholas Slade. <laughs> Nick Slade. Wow. Yeah, Nick Slade. Move That's up a good on name. <laughs> hey, got promoted. Um, yeah. So this guy, uh, you know, he's been he's been around this guy. Um, Deliverance, I think, was also a movie that he was in. Oh my God! Yeah, really? he yeah. is in Deliverance. Oh my well, gosh! Who, who is he in Deliverance? He's one of the. He's one of the guys. One of the. One of the. I don't know what we're allowed to call them these days. We still call them like I don't know backwards <laughs> squeal, rednecks squeal like or a pig guys. Yeah, well, he's one of the. He might be the squeal like a pig guy. Oh, oh my God! Imagine that distinction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a squeal like a pig guy and yeah. a train conductor in Back to the Future Three. I heard I got Ned Beatty up to 70 miles an hour once. <laughs> That's terrible. That's ter- that is terrible. That's a long shot. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, so Bill McKinney, he's been around and wow. uh Yeah, so I like I like the idea that he talks about like well, first of all, this this train has been sitting here for a while because you know, they were home. They were like in the lab and they had to like walk all the way to the train station and stop yeah. this guy. So I assume everyone is already off yeah. the uh, off the train and they're in the background. You can see them taking the clock off the train. I they, saw that. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. Ordered. Yeah. Um, which is cool. So the, the train brought in the clock as well as uh, a bunch of uh, passengers. Um I, I do. I like the idea that trains did more than one thing. You know, yeah, now yeah. it feels like it feels like, well, you're either do you're either pulling cargo or you're pulling passengers. But back then it was like eh, a little column A, a little column B. Right. Hey. Anything that's going yeah, we, in that direction, stick it on there. Right. <laughs> Is it? I mean, it sounds like locomotives back there would actually go 55 or 60 miles an hour i looked that up Mm -hmm. um and i mean that's that sounds accurate which which is really refreshing um considering tom and i are dealing with temple of doom so (laughs) it's it's (laughs) it's nice to have some accuracy in the movie yeah which i mean is that what you guys discovered right it would be really hard for the train to go 88 Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about that more tomorrow when he mm-hmm. actually uh, talks about um, going well, 90. Uh, sure. 
But uh, but yeah, I, I, I just like the idea that he's like, well, I've heard rumors that somebody got it up to nearly 70. Right. Uh, yeah. Over at the old uh, the old the old uh, <laughs> just uh, I'm just picturing a bunch of conductors just gossiping about how fast they made their train. <laughs> yeah. Like a like a train engineer break room. Right. Like, well, they had it on top water. of a hill and then it went down to a frozen lake and it got up to 70 miles an hour. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Told you. I like that uh, at the very end of this minute, uh, he gets in the word tarnation. So you know that you're watching yep. a Western. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Yeah. Great Scott, tarnation. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sass- yeah. For Sassafras. Sure. <laughs> yep. Any uh, dude. There's yeah. kind of a d- double take uh, when, um, what is it? Is it Tanner calls Marty dude? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It feels so out of place in uh, today's world because you're just like, why is he talk- saying like a modern slang <laughs> word to him? And then right. you're like, oh, right. That's not where it came from. Right. That is where yeah. it came from. Yeah. <laughs> like Dude Ranch. Right. Yeah. Dude Ranch. Yeah. Um, that's all I have, I think, for this minute. I have some. I have some notes about the train itself, but I'll save that for tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'm good, too, if you guys are good. Yeah, me, too. Yep. All right. Well, uh, if, if you guys want to talk about this episode or, or any episodes uh, this week, you're going to want to – and you're on Facebook. You're going to want to join the Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society on Facebook uh, because – that's where all of our listeners sort of get together and uh, talk about uh, what we were right and wrong about in any <laughs> given episode. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So go check out that uh, that community there. And we will be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 42. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.